to immediately and unconditionally withdraw from occupied territory and stress the need for an advisory opinion that protects Israel's security needs. And in weather today in Washington, it is 46 degrees and sunny. Temperatures are forecast to drop into the 30s overnight and rise into the mid-50s tomorrow. For WPFW News in Washington and WBAI in New York, I'm Sue Goodwin. Shairana show with your host Zain Al-Amin. This is a show that focuses on Arab culture and politics, and it airs every Wednesday for one hour at WPFWFM.org and WBAI-FM. Good afternoon, this is the Shairana show with your host Zain Al-Amin. This is a show that focuses on Arab culture and politics, and it airs every Wednesday for one hour at WPFWFM.org and WBAI-FM. By lonely boardwalks I heard a young girl calling Daddy, they have taken you They run us from our land Chasing with an iron hand Now amongst the lifeless bodies You lay low lie The fields of Palestine Where once they watched the small
Good afternoon, everybody. This is Zain Nilamin with the Shyam Nana Show. And today's show is basically a long interview that I did with my friend Henry Mills and Dr. Simon Fitzgerald on WBAI in New York on the subject of my book, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? And the discussion centered around what are the themes of the stories and how they connect with what's happening now in Gaza, for example, especially on the issue of trauma and war and the duty of Arab writers in these moments. Let's have a listen. على ديني على أرض تلاقيني أنا لهلي أنا فديهم أنا دم فلسطيني 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 أنا دم فلسطيني Welcome back to the Trauma Code. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Excellent. So this is Dr. Simon Fitzgerald. I am live, but not in studio. I'm with my family on a little R&R in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, I have a good friend, a sometimes producer on the podcast in studio, Henry Mills. Henry, are you with us? I'm right here. How you doing? Thanks. Thanks for holding it down, Henry, and making all this possible. Reggie on, as a sound engineer, as always. Thanks, Reggie. How you doing? Uh, good, good. Excellent. Well, I'm excited. This is my first time being a remote host. Um, and probably in, in most circumstances, I would have, you know, called this one, uh, uh, let the, the fundraisers have that, have the hour. But, um, really a lot has been going on in the last week or two that I, I really wanted to take the opportunity to talk about. Um, and, and perhaps we'll get into it in a, in a little bit, but just to let you know why we're trying something new, which we're always willing to do on the trauma code, um, is that, you know, as people who've been reading the news may be aware that, uh, the invasion, the violence, the, what I would call uh, for good reason, genocidal violence in Gaza has been shifting towards the South. And, and part of that violence has been the systematic attack and destruction of the healthcare infrastructure of Gaza. And um, I've been, you know, working with Palestinian physicians since October and November, at first just talking to them and listening, and more recently been trying to provide sort of a remote backup, you know, a sort of telemedicine consultation for the young general surgeons that are just facing a complete deluge tsunami of trauma patients uh, while the hospital itself is under siege. Um, and we were doing that with partners in Khan Yunus and just kind of day after day saw escalation of cases of, of really devastating trauma to children, to elderly, to everybody. Um, and, and injuries, which the surgeon there didn't have the training to really give what he wanted to give to the patients. And that's what we were organizing, you know, neurosurgeons and otolaryngologists and trauma surgeons and intensivists and cardiologists and everybody else. To, to look and listen to what he was sharing with us, what was going on, and try to give him some advice, you know, what to do, what not to do, some resources that he could review when he got some internet. And just as part of that process went from seeing the escalation of cases to them asking that we pray for their safety, to members of the healthcare team being shot and injured inside the hospital, to, you know, shutting off of electricity and oxygen that killing patients in their ICU beds from lack of oxygen and lack of electricity to um, the health and the safety of the healthcare team being threatened to that hospital being evacuated to then losing communication with our partners there and really being worried that they'd been disappeared by the Israeli military. And, and though some of them were um, taking custody, our, our partner we just got in contact with yesterday, we know that he's, um, alive and, and as safe as he can be in the circumstances, still working in the hospital. 
Um, and so that, that, you know, really intense situation that I've been kind of reading over the phone, over the WhatsApp or whatever you want to call it, um, has just been, you know, I, I couldn't enjoy my vacation and let that keep festering in the back of my mind. So I really wanted to reach out, touch base, share that with our New York audience. And I'm still trying to get um, a, a physician surgeon from Gaza to join us. That may not be possible, um, but I did want to share my experience. And also um, Henry, uh, who's in studio, was also good enough, hopefully been able to arrange. He suggested, I think it was a good idea. Um, Zane El Amin from D.C. Henry and I go way back to Maryland, University of Maryland when I was there. Um, and Zane also has experience in at the University of Maryland and is well known in Washington, D.C. And he also published a book recently um, that I would love to to talk to him about. So, Henry, you still there with us? I know I just went on on a whole monologue. Anything else that I, I can let you come in here and have a few words yourself? Yes, that's the backstory uh, of how we all got together. Um, and my story with Zane actually goes back to right before the war in Afghanistan. Um, the invasion of Afghanistan. I was in a student group in high school and we needed a speaker. Uh, so we hit up Left Turn magazine, which was an anti-capitalist magazine for a speaker. And, and that's how I met Zane. He came in and spoke to my class about the history of U.S. intervention. So <laughs> that was that was yeah. uh, many decades ago now. And, um, and, and I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought that up, Henry, because um, for a couple of reasons, one is that I, you know, I started doing organizing around um, against militarism and, and trying to raise a movement for peace in the United States when I was a, a freshman in college. And you guys in, in high school, um, I don't remember, I don't think my friend Gorov has ever been on the show, but he's helped produce um, episodes before he was on the podcast I used to do called Knife with the Gunfight. And you, Henry, and, and several other people were um, very active in organizing in high school and the left turn magazine that you mentioned, it's really a shame that it, it um, doesn't exist anymore. The, you know, some of the guests that I've had on worked on that. Uh, and it was really an amazing community of people really dedicated, doing hard work, putting together kind of a cool magazine, um, the, the graphics and the, um, you know, the presentation, the, the visuals and everything were great. The stories were great. And also the community that came together to produce it were really excellent. And I, I feel like, um, that that's that spirit is is kind of what I continue to do is, is inspired by that the the group that put out that left turn magazine, wow, like a generation ago. And now you have uh, one of the m members, uh, Zane, I believe, is now on the line uh, calling in. So why don't we do this? Why don't we play a little bit of music? Why don't we make sure that our sound connection is all right with Zane, and then let's come on and let's talk to Zane a little bit about uh, his book and about some of the work that he's been doing. Let's do it. Mi flow se le mete a las nenas Como en la playa cuando se te mete entre las nalgas arena Un baile con cosas obscenas Que cuando nos mire la gente le dé vergüenza ajena Hasta abajo sin pena Que se nos olvide que no hemos cobrado la quincena Química de la buena Conectados como las hormigas pero sin antena Mueve ese culo y de bomba y plena Cortaron a Elena pero nadie nos frena No somos de Hollywood pero dominamos la escena Hasta después Espalda la goleamos, una chilena. Hoy nadie nos ordena, solo este general cuando suena. Buena, tú te ves bien buena. Mueve esa vajilla, como entrando por la puerta de un iglú, doblando rodillas, como una culebrilla, con pierna resbala zapatilla, como que el piso está embarrado con mantequilla, azúcar por la avena con jeringuilla. Lo que traigo es chocolate con vainilla, con mi música tú brillas. En este mundo somos tú y yo, y después van las siete maravillas. Para los que están sentados, Llegó la pesadilla Con medio pocillo Pongo a perrear hasta la silla Con este dembow les quito el hambre Se habían olvidado De que tengo a White Lion en la sangre Si quieres huevo Caliéntame el nido Quiero que mis hijos Tengan tu apellido Como inodoro público Un perreo asqueroso Bien bellacoso Pero sin acoso Bien, 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 bien bellacoso Bien, 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 bien bellacoso Bien, 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 bien Bien, 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 bellacoso. Bien, 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 bellacoso. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Trauma Code on WBAI. My name's Henry, and I want to introduce you to, I call him my big brother. He's one of my best friends, Zayn El Amin. Um, I guess our, I could say our friendship started in the early 2000s, not just as, at the, as a speaker at my school, an anti-war activist, as I mentioned earlier, but I'd also see him in the streets holding banners at rallies. I'd see him at open mics. And uh, we connected over our shared interests of writing and poetry. Now, um, well, a world later, um, he's got his first book published on Radix Media called Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? And the watermelon has now more popularly become, popularly become known as a symbol of Palestine because of the colors, uh, red, black, and green. So we have him here on the line now to talk about his book, some craft, and what he's been working on. Zane, how are you? Good. Great to hear from you, Henry. Hello, Simon. Simon, you there? Hey, Zane. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still with I'm still with you guys. And, and let me just give my little introduction. And I will say, when I started doing a podcast, I'm now still in, in training to be a surgeon. Zane was the guest on my first episode and my introduction to the Pacifica Radio Network and putting on a radio show with Zane giving me an opportunity to do some guest host and guest producing like you're doing today, Henry. So, Zane, it's really a pleasure. I'm really happy to, to have you come and join us on the show. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, even from the title alone, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? You've kind of announced a, a sort of a whimsy, a humor uh even though the subject matter can be heavy and deal with war. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking in particular about one of the stories from this book called Kill Deer, in which a writer goes on a retreat. He's invited to read some poems and he starts reading about beautiful things, gurgling streams. And everyone's kind of disappointed. They wanted him to write about gore and war as he was um, he was uh, had experience with the war in Lebanon when and the Israeli occupation there. Uh, very similar to, to your life. And uh, yeah. he's so frustrated that they want him, as you wrote, they want to draw blood. They keep asking about, um, now, have you ever written about the war? And um, uh, he, it, it really puts to the test the idea that writers should be able to write about anything um, beautiful things and and uh not necessarily have to write about well trauma directly um and now with recent the recent horrors um which have intensified uh do you feel that to put to the test for yourself again do you feel like you have a responsibility to write directly about current events um Actually, in uh, recent uh, uh, months, uh, well, since October, I've been I've had several invitations to uh, read uh, my poetry, but I have chosen to basically put forward the voices of Palestinian poets and writers rather than mine, and also uh, uh, African American poets like June Jordan, who wrote about Palestine. Um, so I haven't really. I don't feel like I need to write about the moment. I need to write uh, uh, anything that uh, would uh, allow for catharsis. Um, there's, a, a, for example, for one reading uh, that was basically uh, moderated by Hala Lian, uh, one of your native New Yorkers, the great writer, um, the Palestinian writer. Um, uh, I chose to read actually my diary from Standing Rock because I felt that uh, to bludgeon the the audience, which was very well thoroughly uh, um, familiar with the scenes of horror that we're seeing, uh, would not help them kind of rejuvenate and for for the fight for the next day. So I chose to read that because. It was a, one of the most inspirational moments in my activism, being in Standing Rock. And I, I wanted to share the kind of solidarity that existed um, and uh, kind of 
holistic approach that they had as a teachable moment. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, I think that, you know, uh, and it's really interesting, Hala at the, at the beginning uh, said that we poets uh, cannot save the day. Uh, we poets, you know, uh, poetry is not going to save the day. And she was telling it to, you know, an audience, a full auditorium uh, of fans of poetry. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I know what she was talking about. I know that, you know, especially for her uh, struggling to write at this time about what's happening is, is uh, quite a task. But at the same time, uh, uh, I see that they are killing poets, uh, yeah. uh, like Rifat al-Arir, who they killed, you know, the Palestinian poet who they killed in Gaza. They specifically targeted him. Uh, so if, if poetry didn't have an impact, then why would they uh, go out of their way in the midst of war to target uh, a poet and, and kill him? Uh, so I think uh, poetry does does matter at this time. That, but the issue is, uh, you know, the I haven't had the urge. Uh, the simple answer: I haven't had the urge to write about the moment, but rather to uh, draw from previous moments to show people that what's happening today has been happening way before October seventh, and the way, for example, June Jordan writes about. Palestine or about the Sabran Shatila massacre in Beirut, it feels like it's lifted right out of the newspapers of today. Mm. Were you ever that guy? Were you ever uh, the the kind of young writer who tries to keep up with the date, like the moment, instead of pausing? Good afternoon. Uh, this is Zain Al-Amin interrupting uh, the show. This is an interview with uh, Henry Mills, my friend, um, and uh, uh, Simon, Dr. Simon Fitzgerald, who works in a, um, uh, as a doctor, uh, <clears throat> specializing, I guess, in a trauma center. Um, we did this interview for WBAI, and uh, we wanted to talk about, uh, obviously, uh, some of the works that I've written, uh, including my book, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? And its relationship to what's happening now, and specifically around the issue of trauma and uh, uh, how trauma um, is uh, kind of is infused in, in the writings of people that come from areas of conflict like me. And how also uh, people are forced to into a certain um, uh, certain type of writing where they demand that we write about the conflict rather than we write about whatever we wish, whether it's love or nature or uh, whatever. Uh, so anyway, I, I wanted to uh, just interrupt this interview for a second because our, this is our pledge drive time. And uh, we need your help at this time to sustain this kind of show. This is the kind of programming you're not going to hear anywhere else. And um, uh, uh, and uh, the kind of programming we do all year, every Wednesday, I've been doing this for over six years now, uh, every Wednesday at 2, and in a volunteer capacity, uh, uh, uh I'm the volunteer, but there's others that have to be paid. There are bills to be paid. There's elect the electric bill had to be paid. The uh, the lease has to be paid, um, and uh, WPFW is is rare in the sense that it, it is um, uh, supported by, as we always say, listeners only and we're not supported by corporate america so we are able to say what we want to say especially when uh, in the midst of the mass censorship that's happening especially around the issues that we address so if you want to keep us alive if you want to sustain us then i would urge you to go to your phones and call 202-588-9739 
That's 202-588-9739. No donation is too small and no donation is too large. Uh, you can also go online, as some of you listen online. Uh, while you're there, you can go to wpfwfm.org. That's wpfwfm.org. And go to the Donate button and then uh, scroll down to the Shayunana show and make a donation there. And the last and the simplest way to do this is to go use your phone to do to uh, go to the Cash app and uh, uh, make a donation at dollar sign WPFW on Cash app. Again, it's dollar sign WPFW uh, that we have. And Zane? Uh, yes. We still have $400 to go to make the goal for this hour, for this show, which is not reactionary. This show has been on for several years, and we are able to bring to you information about what is going on in specific areas of conflict, and particularly in the area that they've called the Middle East. And we are actually talking about Africa. So, again, here we are, Black History Month, and... We evolved from a civil rights struggle to a human rights struggle. And Martin Luther King Jr. had said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's why we have to open our eyes, open our sensibilities, and understand that it is one struggle. And we need you to help us with this struggle by becoming a member of WPFW. And Zane gave the number, but I'll give it again, 202 Five eight eight nine seven three nine. We need your support. We need you to be a part of this global community. And we're only at 20% of goal. Please make that call or go to our website, wpfwfm.org. Like Zane said, there's a Donate Now button. All you have to do is hit that button right there. Decide how much you're going to support WPFW, how much you can help because we need your support. You're all that we have. We have no government dollars. We have no university dollars. We have no corporate dollars. This is a platform created by you. This is a community platform and we come to you four times a year to state the need. Please. If you have a smartphone, Zane said it, pull up Cash App, type in dollar sign WPFW and make a donation there. We've still got a good ways to go to make the goal. We can do this. Please. Don't be that person that sits there tacitly accepting everything. Be that person that is an activist and a revolutionary that wants to see change, and you can do so very easily. We've given you four methods to connect. Any one of them will do, but I'll give you the first one, 202-588-9739. We need you now. Zane, thank you for doing this broadcast, sir. Keep up the good work. Thank you. and. Uh, just to, to follow up on that, you know, WPFW uh, has covers the world in essence, in a sense that my show follows uh, Wiza's um, uh, show on Africa, uh, titled Africa Now, which focuses on Africa, and we overlap in terms of North Africa, and then there's we cover Latin America. We uh, we cover we have a show that covers Latin America. We cover uh, the Caribbean. Uh, uh, we we cover sports in an angle that is not approached anywhere else except for maybe Nation Magazine because uh, we have Dave Zirin also covering sports from social justice angle. I mean, where else are you going to hear that? Yeah. And. Um, uh, the cherry on top, of course, is, is democracy now, which is essential for our uh, sanity these days to start the day with that. So if you want to sustain this kind of programming and and uh, support this piece of the larger puzzle that we have, uh, please uh, make that call and uh, uh, go online or go to your cash app and make a donation there. And we'll return to the show now. Time to, to, to return to the struggle the next day. Did you ever make the very mistakes that you're uh, in, in your early writing that you would call mistakes now? Um, 
Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the the mistakes I've made wasn't so much about uh, had had nothing to do with looking back or or uh, uh, it had to do more with uh, just you know uh, learning uh, you know uh, starting out and and dealing with really emotional topics and trying to you know uh, wrestle with sentimentality uh, and and you know uh, things like that, but. Um, I've never been. I've I've always pursued whatever story comes to mind, and uh, that that stays with me uh, for weeks or months. Uh, that uh, that tells me that there's something there. And um, having said that, I should I should clarify that I'm a foremost a storyteller, and some stories are told. Uh, in poetry for me some stories are told in short stories and some are longer works like right now I'm working on a novel which uh, uh, I hope uh, I will finish this summer um, in my wow. in my summer residency mm. excellent and can I just jump in for a second Henry because one thing that um, I don't know if our audience would appreciate about Zane is when when I met him, you know, 20 years ago or so, he was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Zane, and hopefully this is, you know, you, you don't mind me saying this, but I think you were I was sort of a civil engineer and kind of mid-career mm. pivoted mm. towards a focus on literature and then used that to leverage that into becoming, you know, a creative, published creative writer. So I think Zane has always played the long game when it came to his writing, and I really admire that and appreciate that about him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> I was a civil engineer for twenty years, uh, but uh, you know I was I was writing here and there, uh, getting a poem here and there published. But then I made the switch in two thousand and seven and uh, pursued my MFA and uh, uh, started writing more regularly, uh, mainly poetry, mainly because MFA programs. Uh, uh, force you to either go into prose or poetry, and I think that that's wrong. I think people should be allowed to to uh, 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 have not have workshops that have to do with prose and poetry at the same time slot as they did. They did they post them, put them there deliberately, but to rather have the choice to switch uh, from one to the other. To exercise both, uh, uh, you know, techniques. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, the story usually tells you once you start whether it's going to be a poem or a short story or a longer work. Uh, like right now, the, the reason why I'm writing a novel is because the story that's stuck in my head uh, is a story of uh, an American expat couple that arrive in Saudi Arabia and sort of like in, a, in an atmosphere which is similar to the gold rush in, in the United States, right? Um, except this is the oil rush. This is the oil boom. And um, uh, uh, so obviously that right away, I knew right away when those characters uh, stayed with me uh, for, for years, not just for days. That I knew that they're they belong in a novel and not there's no way that a poem uh, can tell that story or a short story can tell that story. If uh, if you were to imagine this book you're working on as a movie, who would you say would be a good director for it? <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I'm a big movie buff, as as Henry knows, um, but uh, with uh, you know some with with one short story that was in in my book. Uh, is this how you eat a watermelon? Uh, 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 namely, the birds of Ashrafi. Uh, that story uh, was actually turned from a thirty-page sort of long short story that didn't really it never fit. It didn't fit as a short story or as a no, even a, a, a novella. Uh, so it was like in this no man's land of uh, I couldn't really submit it anywhere. But when I had the chance to submit a, a collection, 
I submitted it and was published. But way before that, even before it was published, um, uh, a, 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 a filmmaker, uh, a kind of a new filmmaker in, uh, from New York, you know, read the story and uh, uh, some, a friend of mine had passed on the story to him. And uh, he read the story and turned it from a, you know, a 30-page short story to a 90-page film uh, 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 to, to a screenplay, of course. And, uh, you know, because, you know, the, the correlation is one page is equal one minute of film. So uh, yeah. that, and that went uh, to a production company, and the production company then did, asked if I could get uh, an, a Lebanese director uh, and they were right in demanding a Lebanese director for it and I went and I found actually an independent filmmaker uh, in Beirut that was perfect for it because this story is uh, uh, is uh, uh, all almost uh, an all children uh, cast and he had uh, a lot of experience workshopping uh, movies with uh, with short films with children in Beirut. So I thought it was perfect when I brought when I recommended it to the production company. The production company basically said, uh, "No, uh, we actually want somebody known because this story is not published. You're not the widely published author. This is not a known uh, film uh, director, and you need to find a, a, a better, you know, a well-known one." So I ended up interviewing several. Uh, 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 one that I really admired that that has failed me since then, Ziad Duwairi, who was who did the movie West Beirut, uh, which is excellent, highly recommended. But uh, followed it up with some really reactionary films and lost his audience. Really, that that uh, really liked West Beirut. So, uh, having said all of that, uh, uh, if if I was, uh, are you specifically asking about Killdeer? I was I was asking about the book you were working on, but now I'm actually more well, the interested work, in the book that I'm working on. Oh yes, it would be, uh, you know, if, if Stanley Kubrick was alive, um, uh, that's the kind of director. It's somebody that's doing things like Stanley Kubrick uh, because uh, it requires. It's a it's a dark. It's uh, it's a you could say, um, um, it, 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 yeah, you could say that it, it's kind of dark, but it's the reason why I would say it would be somebody like Stanley Kubrick, and you could probably think of, uh, there's, there's filmmakers right now that are doing those kinds of really intense uh, kind of uh, uh, intense films that are about, uh, the disintegration of interpersonal relationships uh, and how they start somewhere. It's like the rise and fall of this couple uh, can only be portrayed mm. in, in this kind of darkness. You know, it's the kind of movie, it's whatever director can pull off a movie that seems to be building tension, but at the same time, uh, nothing is happening, but you, the reader, if the writer's successful is um, the reader's feeling that there's something ominous, that the atmosphere is ominous, but they don't know why. And uh, But it's about the disintegration uh, uh, of these couples' relationship uh, in sort of uh, the, the book called, the, the book is titled The Thirst, which is like kind of the, it really relates more to the greed uh, that happens in these kind of gold rushes and how that really, uh, 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 they're already a couple that are compromised. Uh, uh, so that kind of environment doesn't even help. And the kind of environment they're living in are, they're really a vehicle to, to tell the story of these uh, compounds um, in, in Saudi Arabia that were, uh, uh, were basically uh, like formed an oasis from the, the kind of culturally devoid and um, uh, country, you know, basically a desert culturally and in every sense outside of these walls. But 
at the same time, what, uh, what's happening is really uh, when you take the dysfunction that we see in in uh, in uh, subterranean suburbia in the United States, that kind of dysfunction, uh, and 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 put it in a pressure cooker, even uh, condense it some more. That's the kind of uh, life that existed within these compounds. Mm. Uh, so it would be like, uh, uh, you know, if you think of any director that does those kinds of really dark um, movies uh, uh, that, you know, like, for example, even um, uh, one movie that I've seen is The Lobster uh, uh, and and recently, it's the same director. I can't remember his name now, uh, 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 but uh, uh. we're back uh, uh, to pitch again. Um, this is our pledge drive time. What you're listening to right now is an interview uh, that I did with Henry Mills, my friend Henry Mills, and um, he was in the WBAI studio, our uh, sister station. And uh, along with uh, uh, Dr. Simon Fitzgerald, who, who works uh, in uh, ER in a hospital there in New York. And uh, we're talking about uh, writing as in relationship to trauma, as in relationship to war, as in relationship to um, uh, how, what is the audience expectations from writers that are um, coming from areas of conflict. Um, and this is the kind of reporting we do. We don't, we do political reporting, we do cultural, uh, we do, uh, in terms of culture, we do literature, we've interviewed painters, authors, um, writers of nonfiction and, and essayists. Uh, we interview the best and the brightest in terms of who among Arab Americans and uh, Arabs in general, because we're able to interview anybody in, in around the world um, through Zoom and other methods. Uh, this is the kind of reporting that we do. And, you know, uh, people do write to me that they can't find this kind of programming anywhere else. And uh, that they hope that it can be sustained and that it can, can continue, and because it's filling it, filling a huge gap in terms of reporting, and it's going to fill. Hey. Yes. This is Hataria. Hi, Zane. Hi. How are you? I, <laughs> I was am, wondering I where you were. Well. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> yes, here I am, and you are so right. I I can only imagine how many people in the community tell you how much they value your show because it is unique in the media landscape. And I, I heard you say earlier, you know, WPFW is not beholden to corporate sponsorship. WPFW, you know, we don't have to tailor our news and our stories based on um, corporate interest. That is the beauty, one of the many beautiful things that is WPFW, including you and your, shame, your show. Zane, you bring so much um, knowledge and information, and you were talking about um, how we bring culture and uh, politics, but we also bring the combination of what is happening in the world and how culture is affected and also affects those things, and thank you for that. We want to remind people they can call 202-588-9739 or go to our website at WP. FWFM.org. And uh, we can also go, you can also go to Cash App and make a donation at dollar sign WPFW, an easy way to make a donation too. 
Oh, definitely. And, you know, I know, we know people are out there listening. You bring us such good information, wonderful interviews. It's, 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 I will say I have gotten the pleasure to hear you be interviewed this week. So that's um, been a treat for me. And if those of you out there listening really appreciate the different voices, the different points of view, the different information that you get on WPFW that you can't really find anywhere else on your radio dial, Give us a call. Show your appreciation. You can give $10. You can give $10,000. Think about becoming a sustainer for as little as $10 a month. That adds up to a very significant $120 a year. So give us a call, 202-588-9739. We have $400 to go to meet our goal. Uh, Not only does WPFW address culture in so many ways, they supported even outside the station. So right now you're hearing an interview about my book, uh, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? And uh, when that, the book came out, WPFW basically held an event at Busboys and Poets for that uh, uh, for the debut of that book. It was one of the several events uh, around the nation. But when it came to D.C., it, it was uh, WPFW that brought it to the audience. And it's not, I'm not the only author that WPFW introduces to D.C. The, there are many poets and authors and writers that are introduced to, the, to you uh, through WPFW. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear from them because most, a lot of them, uh, for example, are published by small publishers and independent publishers that don't have that kind of uh, marketing budget uh, that is needed for that. And that's how the community steps in. And I think of WPFW as community. Uh, and uh, that's it, it's, it would be very hard to uh, uh, name another uh, a source of news that can be called community at this point, especially with the with the openness that WPFW have. So, uh, as this kind of uh, uh, news um, uh, 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 becomes under ex- more extensive censorship, we are you know immunized against. Uh, <laughs> Uh, censorship because uh, our only source of support is you and uh, uh, we do your content our content is based on your feedback and your desires of what you want to hear not on based on corporate uh, marketing or uh, slanted news so uh, 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 you want to give the information one more time of course of course um, it's 202-588-9739 or wpfwfm.org. You can also do cash app is dollar sign WPFW. We want to thank Amelia of Laytonsville, Maryland, who did help Amer- uh, Africa Now meet uh, ex- go over their goal. Um, and we want to, again, thank Anonymous and Severn, Maryland, who pledged via the website at wtfwfm.org. We've only got $400 to go. I know we can make it, thank Thank you. And uh, we'll go back to the interview now. And I urge you in these last uh, 10 minutes or so to make a donation to the Shayonana show and show your support and sustain us. Thank you. Uh, oh, your, your, uh, your ghost Lanthimos. Uh, yes, your ghost Lanthimos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that well, would be let, kind of, yeah, director. Let me just jump in here for a minute. Uh, this is Dr. Simon Fitzgerald remotely hosting uh, Trauma Code on WBAI. I have uh, Henry Mills, our guest host, in studio, and we've been interviewing uh, Zane Elamine about uh, his recently published book or published last year, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? Um, and why don't we take a, a little short uh, musical break. Uh, Reggie, if you have the Hungry Belly um, song that, that was on the show run. Um, and, uh, and then we'll come back in and talk with Zane a little bit more. Do you have that ready, Reggie? 
Last one dedicated to a girl in New York City. Live on Lincoln Road between Bedford and Flatbush name Alicia. Me and Cory that tied us in and put two and two together, but we never get four. We get hungry belly. Sing, sing, sing. Welcome back to the Trauma Code. This is Dr. Simon Fitzgerald, remotely hosting from Puerto Rico. And I forgot to mention, I just want to mention the two songs uh, we played. Actually, three songs. The first song we played, the intro we played before, Anadamni Falastini, My Blood is Palestinian, uh, uh, obviously appropriate in, in our times. Uh, the, the second song was from Residente, and later on in the song, uh, Bad Bunny was on it called Bellacoso, very interesting song, sort of sex positive uh, and also very much against violence against women, very conscientious about that. Very interesting song and a very interesting kind of movement and moment in Puerto Rico right now uh, with respect to recognizing women's rights. Um, and that last song was another sort of Caribbean shout out to New York, Hungry Belly by uh, Pinchers and Frankie Paul. Um, but we have today on Trauma Code, We've been interviewing a good friend of the show, Zane Elamine, about his recent book, Is This How You Eat a Watermelon? And I've, I've mostly been listening to Henry uh, asking you, Zane, about this book. But, you know, when, when I first looked up this, this book to get it, the, the description of it uh, on places like, you know, Google Books or on Amazon is really fascinating and compelling. Um, do you want to frame the book a little bit? I know it's a story that you've talked about before that's based on history that frames this book. Uh, you mean the, 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 the frame the short stories that are in that book? Yes, yeah, as, as I understand, it has to do with uh, boarding students uh, finding themselves stranded at the beginning of the Lebanese war, yes, that's Lebanese exactly, civil war. That's the last, uh, that, that, that's one of the, the stories. The, the title story is, is basically about uh, uh, and it, it is the tit, you know, sort of like the titular story. Um, uh, is this how you eat a watermelon? It's the same title as the title of the book itself, and that's uh, about a basically a, a, a Beiruti, a man in, living in Beirut who is basically eating and drinking himself uh, to death, <laughs> and uh, he is also, uh, you know, he at, at at one point he moves into when he marries. A Palestinian woman, and he moves into the camps. Um, and he, you know, this is a, a privileged Lebanese man that actually, you know, falls in love and 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 moves there. But uh, it, it, it's it's also about uh, it, it, really framing the whole book would be uh, the elevator pitch I used to give was that uh, it's about uh, a set of characters that are either eating life or life is eating them uh, uh, okay. so uh, there's there's a story that's simply about uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh, this cleric and his wife in, in uh, 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 that and it takes place in the village where I was raised in South Lebanon that wakes up to the first snow that he's witnessing and build instead of building a snowman builds a snowwoman and the consequences of that uh, with his wife and and the children that live in this communal house with three families uh, to witness that uh, there's there's one uh, uh, really about there's several about trauma uh, one of them uh, uh, called groom uh, it's about uh, uh, this uh, uh, young American woman that finds a, a, a monkey in her, in her front yard and she kills it. For WPFW in Washington and WBAI New York. I'm Chris Bangert-Drowns with some brief news headlines. Iran today accused Israel of a sabotage attack last week that caused several explosions along an Iranian natural gas pipeline. Iran's oil minister did not provide evidence to support the accusation. He said the attack was, quote, properly managed. Israel rarely claims responsibility for espionage missions and has not acknowledged carrying out this pipeline attack. Israeli-linked attacks in Iran have often targeted the country's nuclear program, though pipelines have also been targeted before. Separately, a suspected Israeli airstrike in the Syrian capital of Damascus this morning killed two people. The United States is being widely criticized for yesterday's veto of a UN resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. China said the veto, quote, sends the wrong message. France and Qatar voiced their regret, and leaders of several humanitarian organizations yesterday sharply denounced the veto, while criticizing the U.S. for not doing more to use its influence to prevent further death and destruction. Yesterday marks the third time the U.S. has opposed a complete halt to hostilities. Instead, Washington circulated a resolution that would support a temporary ceasefire linked to the release of all Israeli captives held by Hamas. The White House said today that it is preparing, quote, major sanctions against Russia following the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny in an Arctic prison. The announcement comes less than a week before the two-year anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the sanctions would cover, quote, elements of the Russian defense industrial base and sources of revenue for the Russian economy, end quote. Russian authorities say an investigation into the cause of Navalny's death is still ongoing, and they have not released his body to his family. Russian President Putin said yesterday that he does not intend to deploy nuclear weapons in space, responding to a U.S. claim last week that Russia had developed a new anti-satellite weapon. Several media outlets had reported that the weapon is nuclear-capable, The U.S. has declined to comment on the weapon's potential nuclear capabilities, but said the weapon is not yet operational. In a meeting with Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, Putin said Russia remains, quote, categorically opposed to the deployment of nuclear weapons in space. He said Russia has only developed capabilities possessed, quote, by other nations, including the U.S., In local news, a group of labor unions are opposing a $2 billion plan to move the Washington Capitals and Wizards from downtown D.C. to Alexandria, Virginia. The Northern Virginia chapter of the AFL-CIO and its other member unions, including Unite Here Local 25, came out yesterday against Monumental Sports and Entertainment's proposal, citing in part an apparent inability to reach a satisfactory deal for union workers on the construction projects. Virginia state lawmakers and the Alexandria City Council must approve the proposal for it to move forward, and several Democrats in the legislature and on the council said they would vote no if organized labor is opposed. And the Biden administration today is canceling $1.2 billion in student debt for about 153,000 borrowers. According to a White House fact sheet, 
A borrower can qualify for the forgiveness if they are enrolled in the administration's Saving on a Valuable Education Repayment Plan, have been making at least 10 years of payments, and have originally taken out $12,000 or less for college. For every $1,000 borrowed above $12,000, a borrower can receive forgiveness after an additional year of payments. The White House said it has now canceled some $138 billion in student debt for nearly 